Um, Titans talk, week eight. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town on Sunday. So we're going to talk in detail about the matchup and what, what we might be able to expect this weekend. First, the Bucs have a pretty unique history as well as a bunch of historical players, a bunch of Pro Bowlers, Super Bowl champs. Guys, what jersey would you be wearing of the Bucks? If I could pick any Bucks jersey, would it would have to be Derek Brooks because for about a decade he was the heart of the greatest stretch the Bucks had or maybe will ever have. And obviously he won Defensive Player of the Year and helped win them a Super Bowl, so it's hard to see anyone outside of that Super Bowl winning squad as an option. I'll tell you, there are two that I really like. I, growing up, was a huge fan of Warren Sapp, and that kind of led to me playing defensive tackle. And, you know, I just really loved the way he played the game, the way he approached the game. And, you know, we went on to see him go into the Hall of Fame, so I think he's a solid pick. The other guy, not as prolific, but during his time, he was incredible. Simeon Rice, that guy was a monster. And him combined with Sapp and, you know, Derek Brooks, like Landon mentioned, a formidable defense, and they were incredible. Like you mentioned, the uh, iconic early 2000s teams. I liked Hardy Nickerson uh, growing up. I thought he was an excellent player. Surprise, big fella, you didn't say Mike Allscott, who when we were coming <laughs> up and teenagers, uh, I bet that... we'll see a lot of those even Sunday. He, of course, played at Pitt and was uh, one of your last like prolific fullbacks uh, that would really run a lot. He's still, I'm sure, uh, beloved down there. And I really liked Wark Dunn a ton. When he played at Florida State and just later on, really high character guy. So, Mike Allstott was incredible. And I remember his retirement speech, and that was a tough one to watch because you know, he was a guy who had like a neck injury. And it was really, really tough to watch a guy that big and physical and tough have to step away from the game. When we go Sunday, who do you think we'll see the most jerseys of, current or former players? I'd be curious, like, are there Mike Evans jerseys? A lot now. I kind of struggled to figure out because I know Winston has struggled so much. Like, whose jersey will we see most, and what kind of crowd do you think they'll bring? Evans is going to be the most popular jersey, but I think the guys that we hit on, I think Rondé Barber is another one that we'll see a lot of. I think primarily it'll be Evans because he he gives their fan base the most hope for a superstar. I want an old school Steve Spurrier jersey when they had the really (laughs) ugly colors, like the burnt orange and the, the weird buck guy. What are your initial thoughts of the matchup? And We all know what Jameis Winston is. Last week he had a pretty bad performance. But this is also a team that hung 55 on the Rams. They're very high risk, high reward. Like you said, they can drop 50 in any given game. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are easily the best receiving duo threat in the NFL right now. Their run game has improved. Jameis Winston at times can make you pay. But at the same time, like two weeks ago we saw in London... Jameis Winston will have seven turnovers, and he'll just throw the game away over and over and over. This defense is elite. We haven't given up more than 20 points. I think there's a 50-50 chance that streak continues, and we finally get another multi-turnover game. I'm a big fan of Bruce Arians. If our listeners have not uh, listened to on Audible or read his book that came out last year, The Quarterback Whisperer, a lot of really interesting, just casual conversation. Uh, He really kind of captures the tone really well if you're a football fan, if you don't constantly read books or biographies. This guy has always seemed like a, a guy most football players would like to have a beer with because I think after reading that book, a lot of football players have had a beer with him. To see, I'm really just interested to see Arians and how his system kind of progressed. 
I think they do have talent. They just haven't put it all together at every position and the most important position. So they're also three and four. So I think we can, as a fan base, dismiss them a little bit. But if they win Sunday, they're right back at 500. We're in the same predicament. Uh, we are currently three and four. A win, another win at home would put us at a four and four record. And I, I think we have to win at home. We have to at least be four and four at this point in the season if we want any shot at the division or let alone a, a playoff spot, that wild card spot. We don't really know what we're getting. This is, this could be a trap game. This could be a blow them out game. It's it's really interesting. And Nathan, I like what you said about Bruce Arians. To me, he's a really interesting guy. Um, I I view him as a true players coach. He builds strong bonds with his players, and he supports them no matter what. I mean, look at his time in Arizona and the bond he built with Tyron Matthew. I mean, they were they were really tight. I think from a quantitative standpoint, I'm most interested to see, like we mentioned. There are some strengths to this team, and I think their run defense has been very good. I'm interested to see if um, if Derrick Henry and company and our offensive line, which did play, I wouldn't say very well or anything, but played incrementally better, if they can make the next step, and then if we can uh, we can put a hundred yards on them on the ground, and I think that would obviously assure us a victory. I think they're underrated against uh, as a defense because um, just the way they play, and they do give up points, but. Uh, that's the most intriguing thing, and I think the strength of this of this team. It's strength versus strength. We, lo- we love to pound the rock with Henry, and they're the best run defense. Christian McCaffrey, who's played like the best player in the NFL period this season, it's no coincidence that his two worst games both came against the Buccaneers. Their stout run defense didn't even average three yards of carry against them. This has the making of a Ryan Tannehill game where if we're going to beat them, it's because Tannehill has another good game he dissects them through there, not because we're able to batter them down with Derrick Henry. The number one ranked rush defense, allowing only 68 yards per game and six touchdowns. What do they have there? What are, what are we seeing? What are we not seeing? The first thing you're going to look for is Shaquem Barrett, who has nine sacks already this season. Obviously, it takes 11 guys on the field at one time, but he's been landing absolutely their engine, right? Shaq Barrett on the edge is their most dangerous pass rusher. Vita Vea on the interior is the main core to their run defense. It could be a Ryan Tannehill type of day is because their pass defense is the worst in the league in terms of yards per game given up. They've also given up 11 touchdowns so far. This run defense, this front seven, especially this defensive line, it's really good and it's going to punish our offensive line if this line doesn't improve. But at the same time, all the tells are there that Tannehill can easily have a good game. You mentioned Vita Vea. Did you actually mean... Tevita Tila Oko Honu Tulpulo Tu Mose Vahe Feoko Falateo Vea. I did. Hey, props to you for actually saying <laughs> that whole entire name. Yeah, that's there's, a mouthful. There's a reason he goes by Vita. <laughs> you guys and remember can... two years ago in the draft, I, I liked him coming out. Uh, a lot of mock drafts had him going to the 20s. He went, I think, what, 11th to them? Um, 12. He, he was a bit quiet. Um, I think in his first year, I, I, from a statistic standpoint, I think he's been very good for them. And they that's why a guy like that, they're quietly very good against the run. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Vita Vey is a monster. He's 6'4", 347 pounds, and he plays every bit of it, too. Um, he's got that long, flowy hair that we like so much. He's that 350-pound <laughs> guy that you see that really has feet like a like a really good – like a small college basketball player. He's just got excellent feet for that size, and it's kind of amazing to see. 
I'm really excited to, to see it in person on Sunday just to see how he moves. Uh, because a guy like that, you don't always see when you're watching these guys on TV, you don't get to just see how this guy kind of operates. I'm really excited to see hopefully our offensive line find a way, scheme way to keep he and these other guys from absolutely pouncing on Derrick Henry immediately. Our offensive line did play better. Fellas, I mean, obviously the offensive line needs to play great. What do you think about even more so this week? I mean, you mentioned Shaq Barrett has, having nine sacks. Seven of them came in two games against the Giants and Panthers. The rest of the team only has another four sacks. So they have 13 sacks total. Um, so what do you think is the most important? Do you think we have to double-team Vea or double-team Barrett? Barrett is definitely the most dangerous threat they have in the front seven. You don't stumble into nine sacks, but at the same time, when you have nine of the 13, that's a tell for the defense as a whole that it might not be as impressive if a guy has nine sacks. Because usually if a guy has nine sacks this early, the rest of the defense is feasting too. In the modern NFL, the game is won through the pass. You can run, run, run all you want, but at the end of the day, the passing game wins and loses games. And Vita Vea cannot affect the pass game as much as Shaq Barrett can. Take out Shaq Barrett and just tell everyone else, hey, come beat us. Because right now, their pass defense, even with Barrett's uncharacteristic performances so far, it's still, it's still terrible. You mentioned double teams, things like that. We're going to have to help where help is necessary based on what they've seen on film from this team. But when you look at their front seven, it's like a different defense. Uh, no offense to the guys that play in their defensive backfield. There's a reason, like Landon said, that they're really bad against the pass uh, so far this season. But when you look at names now, we all know on that front seven, it's not all about stats. And Dominican Sue, who I'm not a fan of as a person, He's a really good, solid guy to have there when you have a guy like Vita Bay that can eat space. Uh, then they've got Levante David, who still plays at a high level. Barrett, who's there uh, absolutely right now, the runaway NFL Defensive Player of the Year at this point. They come at you from a lot of ways. The way we can run on this team, obviously, we need to pass down the field, and we need to eat these guys alive. Uh, we all play fantasy football. So does everybody else that would listen to a podcast like this. We know they're really bad against tight ends. way to do that is spread the field out. I feel a little bit better about that. We have to leverage Ryan Tannehill's ability last week to throw to a bunch of different guys and to hit tight ends. Johnny Smith looked just really like we always thought he would be. We know that the Bucs are not good at defending uh, tight ends. We're going to have to do that, open things up. And instead of double teams, I think, our offensive line, we're going to have to scheme around. I think our play calling – from a running standpoint, guys, I think that's going to be important for it to be creative. We're going to have to equalize these guys and throw them off because if we let these guys run downhill, Sue, Vea, these Barrett, if we let them run down, downhill, we're not going to, we're going to establish a running game at all. Like we talked about last week, my biggest thing for uh, neutralizing the Chargers' best player, Joey Bosa, was to run right at him. So I think we need to put two hats on a guy and run right at him. Johnu Smith is a perfect example of somebody who's ready to take the leap. We've seen him show flashes, and this year Delaney Walker's been a little bit hurt, so I hope that we can take advantage of that and kind of push him to that next level. On the injury front, let's talk about the Titans injuries, and then we'll kind of go into the Bucks injuries. Corey Davis didn't practice with an illness. Adoree Jackson mispracticed with a foot injury. Chris Milton had a calf. Delaney Walker was out. A.J. Brown was limited with a groin injury. Drew Casey was limited. Jack Conklin was limited. Nate Davis was limited. Rashawn Evans was limited. 
Sharif Finch and Wesley Woodyard were also limited. So that's a lot of key starters and centerpieces on both sides of the ball that were limited. But at the same time, this is Wednesday, and Wednesday is often a maintenance day, a scheduled day off for older guys or your clear-cut stars that just need some rest. So I wouldn't put too much into it, but at the same time, to see 10 names or more on the injury report, you never want to see that. Yeah, I agree. It made me really nervous at first, but like you said, Wednesday's usually a rest day. When you look at their injury report, it's a lot lighter than ours. And you don't see any names that you recognize beyond O.J. Howard and maybe Rashad Perriman. So it looks like there's not a lot of impact, but their offensive line, I think they struggled to get a solid five out there. I think that's a recurring theme in the NFL. I think finding these guys they can protect against the athletes that play on the defensive line these days and the schemes they go up against. I think just think it's tougher than it's ever been in this league. So Alex Kappa, their guard, and uh, DeMar Dotson, one of their tackles is out. So I think it'll be interesting to see how both those guys, uh, well, Kappa did not practice, and Dotson was a limited uh, participant as he tries to get back uh, in their rotation. If they have injuries or issues or kind of get flustered on the offensive line, it's a, a really long day for that team. Specifically around our pass rushers, and Nathan, as you mentioned, that uh, you know they're inconsistent offensive line. Everybody struggles with offensive linemen. Kind of talk about the need to get pressure on Jameis Winston. Landon, I'll go to you first. What do you see from Jameis Winston? What do, what do we have to do? So far, he, along with Mariota, is tied for the most sacks taken by a quarterback so far this season with 25. So he's it's over three and a half sacks a game. And so that's a good sign for this defense that has struggled to get pressure in general, especially against the Chargers last week. We just have to get in his face, make him take some risks, make him take some stupid throws because... Throughout his whole career, even going back to college, he has those throws that shouldn't have happened that turned into easy interceptions. Had a seven turnover game so far. He has ten interceptions on the year. He's very much a gunslinger. He's going to take those risks, but this defense is so good that we certainly can make him pay, especially with his propensity to turnovers so far. If you get after him, uh, he gets so frazzled, and he just is a totally different guy in the worst playing quarterback in the NFL right now when he's under pressure. I mean, that's what you get from Winston every time you really get after him. But at that Rams game, I'm telling you, Bruce Arians can scheme around with the best of them. Their receivers are excellent. And when they gave him time, uh, he was finding his man. They're terrific. So he, it sounds crazy, but if we don't get after him, and we have had moments in games where we've went three quarters before we've really pressured as good as our defensive backfield is, if we do that, Winston has the ability with Arians and those weapons to just run us off the field. And I think it's important for Titans to know that the most important thing for us this week, it's usually we say, oh, the quarterback's consistency, and uh, we got to establish a running game, and our offensive line has to improve. Those things are all true. But this week, if we don't get after the quarterback, we don't harass him, we don't have unique ways to get after him, uh, this is going to be a game. That brings me, I think, guys, uh, obviously we're going to need a bigger game from some of these guys. Some of our pass rushers are, are getting healthy, hopefully. We have all love talking about Simmons. He played 21 snaps last week. He had a sack. He looked good, really. Um, didn't look great yet, but he didn't need to. The fact that he was out there so early was really impressive. What do you guys expect from him, especially after we just established that the most important thing for us to do is to establish pressure? Is he going to go from... Hey, he played 21 snaps. He got his first sack. He got our only sack last week to, 
hey, he can step up and he can absolutely be the game changer this week. I think the great thing about Jeffrey Simmons is for a guy coming off a major injury like that, he showed no fear on Sunday. His first play of the game, he just manhandled the guard. And then, you know, he got her only sack of the game. And I think this guy literally plays with a chip on his shoulder because like we've talked about in previous podcasts, he was a top five, top ten talent. And, you know, it was just because of injury that he didn't get picked as high. So he's got something to prove for all the people who passed on him, and he wants to make it right with us. And I think we're going to see some continual improvement. I think he'll be out there for a lot more snaps. Maybe not 100% of the defensive snaps, but maybe he goes from 50 last week to 75% this week. We talked about that offensive line. I think we were going to take advantage of it anyway, but now that we have him with us, it just gives us more opportunities and more vantage points get to Winston to beat up that offensive line to double teams on the inside and cause some uh, mismatches on the outside. So I think we're really, really going to see a lot from Simmons. Uh, we, you know, kind of like in Dominican Sue and Vita Vea, we mentioned it earlier. You don't see them a lot in the stat sheet, but they are very important to this defense. I think he's going to have that kind of an impact and, you know, he'll show up on the stat sheet too. Before Simmons played half the game last week, I was expecting that he wasn't really going to play at all, and they would just use this two-week homestay as an extended period of time for him to get caught up and get back into game shape, but obviously he's ready to go. He's ready to help make the game-saving play. I expect him to be even better this coming Sunday because he's got some game experience. He got his first sack. He helped force the game-winning fumble. He's gotten the first game out of the way. Now there's no pressure. Now it's just another game. With how bad this offensive line has been blocking for Winston so far, I won't be surprised if he gets another sack or two this coming week. We all know how I feel about Mariota, and I'm, I'm trying to compartmentalize that and move on. But a lot of the talk about this game is going to be how Winston and Mariota were drafted one and two, and you know, kind of maybe a, a reflection on both teams, not sold on either guy, including Tampa Bay. They're not sold on Jameis Winston. Tell me, do you think there's anything more to that dynamic? Do you think we're going to see both of these teams move on from those one and two draft picks? Big Phil, I do think both teams will move on. I think you'll see these guys with other teams next year looking to reinvent their career. I think if we get up on this team early and if Winston struggles, I think we'll hear, as we do sometimes, I think a lot of times the CBS guys do a good job. I'm not saying that, but they'll beat one thing to death, especially if if things are kind of one-sided. If we happen to see that, they'll beat those first two picks and the 15 draft to death. They'll just talk all the time, oh, they missed, they missed, whatever. And they'll second-guess, I think, those choices. But when you got two quality guys, uh, I don't think James Winston is a quality uh, player or person. When you've got two prospects, you got to take your shot, right? If you think they're decent guys and you think they have a chance, so – You'd, you'd have to be willing to do it again. All of these guys, all these players that have done well at the top of the draft, they all had risk. So, yeah, I think it's still potentially something that will be talked a lot about in this game because they try to find storylines that have national appeal, and they just absolutely beat it to death. Uh, you guys probably agree. We'll, we will hear that. But I, I got kind of tired of this. Yes, they were drafted at the same time, but there wasn't a lot of big, huge debate like there are in, in certain years, and yeah, it hasn't worked out for both of them, but I hold out hope for Mariota, whether he's in this jersey or another one. I was surprised when they just brought Winston back, and Aaron said, yeah, he's the guy I want to work with, because I just have not seen the consistency, and I just haven't seen the leadership. And 
you just can't when you fundamentally cannot make a read in pressure. Uh, that's been the, the major failing of both of these guys. So you're just not going to magically figure that out in year five. As much as it pains me to agree with you, I do agree with you. I, I think these players are both going to go re- continue their career somewhere else. I'm kind of tired of the narrative as well. I mean, on paper, it's an interesting storyline. Two back-to-back quarterbacks who were both no-brainer picks, guys you had to take your shot on, especially for two teams that had no answer at all. And Jameis Winston has shown flashes, never for a full season, and he's always mixed in stupid turnovers, but you still see an inkling of potential as to why he went first overall. Then Mariota, that second magical season, he was so good before he broke his ankle. And then... Obviously, year three, he leads us to the playoffs. He engineers one of the greatest playoff comebacks in history. These guys, they're not bums. They showed potential. They showed flashes of brilliance. It's just they never put it all together. We talked earlier about the importance of winning this game at home. This would be an opportunity for us to establish consistency and get off the seesaw. There are a lot of teams in the NFL that look okay one week and look bad the next. And if we are uneven and we find a way to lose this game, big fella, I think that we'll just be on the seesaw and uh, it'll be about midpoint of the season. And we'll wonder if this just isn't another season where we're up and we're down. I think we could go a long way to going on a run, winning a game we should at home. We've had trouble playing down to opponents. I don't think they're terrible or anything, but this is a team we could beat and should beat at home. I think it represents the idea to get on solid footing, kind of move forward with Tannehill, uh, make sure that they've had a week to plan for him. They have tape on him as a Titan. If we can answer the bell, I think it's just basically like building a foundation and kind of getting off that seesaw. To me, this game is almost a season because a win puts us back at 500. A loss drops us to 3-5. and And with how murky the AFC is outside of the Patriots' the Bills, and the Chiefs. There's no reason why we can't catapult ourselves back into the playoff race. This division, even though Indy seems to have a head start on us right now, it's still it's, it can still be competitive if we win. If we reestablish our home field advantage that we've had for the past three years, we control our own destiny. No longer it's, oh, we're 3-5. and five. we got to hope that the other teams in front of us lose some games while we win some games. It's... We're 4-4. Four and four. We stay within a game of 500 down the stretch. Who knows what happens? Because for the past three years, 9-7 and seven was either good enough for a playoff spot or it was right on the cusp. If we're just inside of that by the season's end, then that's all we can hope for. We have to show up on Sunday. We have to show up at home. And then we have to carry this momentum into the rest of the season. On Sunday after the game, if we win, what are we attributing this win to? What I mean, we talked about a lot of different things we have to take advantage of. What's that one thing you think is going to stand out uh, when we're talking about this victory on Sunday? Big fella, I think it's two things. I think we'll walk back and say they got a consistent pass rush. They got it for Winston. Hopefully be talking about Simmons, Daquan Jones, I think our most underrated player so far this season. And uh, also we'll talk about our offense came from really good teams. Uh, obviously, the Patriots uh, are Exhibit A when, whenever you talk about great teams over a sustained time in recent history. They find a team's weakness, and they beat it to death. Their weakness is their pass defense, and hopefully we're walking back and talking about they didn't try to overtax Tannehill. They just let him make two reads, take three seconds or less, 
find the ball in the hands of A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and our tight ends. Let those big, strong guys come down and then make something happen. I really think that's our two keys is uh, really getting after the quarterback, finding a way. Hopefully, your boy Sharif Finch and other guys come back. But I would love to see Jeffrey Simmons. I know he's just – we're all so excited about him, but I think it could happen. And I think Drell Casey is going to find uh, a little less resistance because he's going to have two guys, uh, one guy on each side that that is a really competent uh, NFL player now, da- Daquan Jones. And, and Jeffrey Simmons, I think one of these guys could break loose, have a big day, want to see him get two sacks. And uh, I think it all fall apart from there for their offensive line and for Winston. And then I just want to see smart throws, intermediate in the middle of the field, and just let our athletes do what they do. To me, the outcome of this game really comes down to how many turnovers we force off the offense, and on Winston specifically, because the talent they have, especially at receiver, makes them so explosive and dangerous that it won't be easy on a on a possession-to-possession possession basis just to outscore them straight up. But if we force two turnovers and don't turn it over any, we now have four extra possessions compared to them. And four extra possessions is hard to come back from in the NFL. And we've seen with this defense, if we just get up just a little, we can just ride it out with great defensive play down the stretch. And with how Tannehill looked on Sunday, it doesn't have to be we just hold on for dear life and hope the defense keeps us in it. Tannehill, if he plays as good as he did on Sunday, I have no doubt in my mind that we're winning. Me being the big fella, this gut don't lie. Um, I have a gut feeling that we're going to win this game. Uh, I don't want to shoot us in the foot, but I I have a really good feeling about this game. I think we're going to capitalize on all the points that you both mentioned. Guys, solid work as always. To all you Titans fans, get there, be loud. We talked about it in the last episode. It was really great to have a really strong fan presence for our boys. We fell the team mentioned that, how they could hear it. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Lambeau in the 60s, but it was appreciably and noticeably better. So, yeah, excellent job to our fans. And uh, I don't know why we wouldn't follow that up, right? Oh, yeah. It, like you said, it may not big, be big everywhere, but in Nashville, that was Richter scale worthy. So I, I'm all about it. We need to be as loud as possible, cause that uh, that offensive, that shaky offensive line to get some false starts, and hey, everybody get some Wendy's. So it's great. Frosties for everybody. We're going to close out and give everybody a tighten up and see what happens on Sunday. Good job by you, big fella. Tighten up. Tighten up.